0: Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. McMaster researchers, alongside Sunnybrook researchers, and this is the great thing, watching the medical come to, uh, together like this, the medical community, uh, have isolated the COVID 19 virus. What does that all mean? Let's bring in Dr. R.N.J. Uh, Banerjee, postdoctoral fellow at McMaster University, and is on the line now. Doctor, thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, in layman's terms, I know that's sometimes difficult, but explain exactly <laughs> what wh- where we are and in, in where we are with your research right now. So
1: what we've been able to do is we've taken clinical specimens and we've isolated the virus. What that means is we've generated virus stocks, which can now be used for vaccine development, therapeutic testing, and diagnostics as well.
0: So that means you have samples of the virus you can send out and use as a, sort of a guinea pig while you're applying other technology?
1: Yes, that, and also share it with laboratories across Canada that will help them with diagnostics.
0: How difficult was it to arrive at this step? Or is this just um, uh, part of your world and something that is is matter-of-fact? Or was this difficult?
1: So... Um I don't think it was difficult, but there's definitely some luck that comes into play because when you think about it, a clinical specimen, you may miss a virus in the specimen or you may catch it. It all depends on when you sample the patient and what samples you have, if the virus stays alive in your sample. So I think, I think all of my experience as a PhD, when I was a PhD student, I worked on coronaviruses. So that came into play and we happened to get the right kind of sample from Sunnybrook and had all the paperwork done for CL3, uh, the high containment labs. The whole team kind of came together, and I think that's why we could do it.
0: Uh, talk about the medical community coming together on this and how imperative it is to, to, to break down those silos.
1: I think it is very important, like you said, you got to align the silos and like completely destroy them, right? So you want the experts, but what you want to do is you want to align these experts so they can come together with an interdisciplinary team, and that's what we did. So the physicians had access to patient material, but you can't fight what you don't understand. So that's where we come in as basic scientists. We can take the virus and we can, we can study it. We understand how it interacts with the immune system, for example. And all of this goes back to the physicians where they can then decide the best regimen of
0: treatment. So who all was involved in this process? How many came together for this?
1: Oh, so if I were to name the whole team, I think I could, I could tell you uh, Samira Mubaraka, Dr. Mubaraka from Sunnybrook. She's an infectious disease physician and also a researcher. So she's kind of got... Uh, her hands into both the parts. So she's got access to patient samples, and she's also a researcher, so she's got a level three lab space. Then I connected with Samira, and I went in because I had coronavirus expertise, and she trusted me that I'd be able to do it. And then there was Rob Kozak, who's on the diagnostic side of things, who knew that if we could propagate the virus, if we could grow it, Rob could quickly confirm it, and he could tell us, he could positively ID the virus. And then we also had a Samira's entire lab team, so Lily, Patrick, a lot of people came together, I think, Including biosafety officers at U of T.
0: And why is this important now? What is the next stage? What happens moving forward as a result of this?
1: The first thing we're going to do is we're going to extract the nucleic acids, the the RNA from the virus, because that's critical for diagnostic tests. If your diagnostic test doesn't work and you don't have a positive sample, you don't know if the patient is negative or the person who was running the diagnostic made a mistake. So you have to have positive control in your diagnostic. So we can generate that in we can generate lots of it for labs across Canada. And moving on, what we're trying to do is here at McMaster, we're trying to get the virus back and study it, study the biology, study how the virus, virus does what it does in human
0: cells. So this is uh, not only about understanding the virus, but coming up with better testing of it as we move forward through this event.
1: Yes, and we're going to take this even beyond what you said. What we're going to do is we think the viruses come from bats, and that's what I've been doing for the last six years is looking at coronaviruses right. come from bats into humans. So we want to be able to study this and see how we can predict future pandemics or future outbreaks, and if we can learn from bats how they can coexist with these viruses, and maybe have therapeutic targets developed for humans.
0: Uh, we have certainly heard uh, the story and how this developed through Wuhan, China, and such, uh, and, and they have eliminated or say they've eliminated a lot of those wildlife markets and such. How much of a dent will that make in all of this?
1: So I think I think controlling, like I like the. Idea. I think the global scientific community likes the idea of not having a wildlife market. Because, you know, with wildlife, you cannot predict what, what viruses yeah. you might have. But what, what, what is critical is how do you enforce something like this? Yeah. What if, you're, like, how do you enforce a lifestyle choice of yeah. people who rely on hunting? That's that's going to be tricky, I think. But it's it's a good it's a good way of uh, it's a good place to start, again.
0: Are you are you concerned that this virus could mutate? Uh, obviously, um, uh, and thank goodness it doesn't appear to be as fatal. Uh, but it certainly does spread incredibly quickly from human to human. Uh, what does concern you about this uh, moving forward?
1: So the longer a virus stays within human population, it's going to evolve and adapt. That's what viruses do. But is it going to become more lethal? We don't know. And that's why it's critical to isolate these viruses from different populations. So when a virus arrives in Canada on a plane, you can isolate the virus and you can study it, and that will tell you if the virus is more pathogenic or less pathogenic. And that's essentially what some of the studies we're going to look at.
0: What are your thoughts at where North America is now, considering how this has progressed in the last couple of months uh, originally from China?
1: So it's the virus is... Uh, it's, it's, Like it's a pandemic, like the WHO called it. So, every it's affected more than two continents, and it's on every it's in North America. We know the United States is having a problem with it. So, I think uh, it's a matter of time before we start seeing more cases. But I'm hoping that with all the funding that's going in from the provinces and the federal government, that the diagnostic labs and the hospitals are prepped for it.
0: What can we do now uh, as a country? We've just heard the prime minister speak a little earlier on. He's suggesting uh, no non-essential travel to uh, uh, international uh, destinations and such. What can we do now to, to slow this down? I think we
1: would just kind of we should kind of work on our personal hygiene, which we should anyways. That's how you control flu. So wash your hands, don't mm-hmm. touch your eyes, don't touch your nose, touch your mouth. But in addition, something else that I'd like to stress, just personally, is this: this don't, don't call it a foreign virus, don't call it a China virus, don't stigmatize a certain certain population of people, because this is you know these outbreaks can happen anywhere, right? It's come likely come from a wildlife. So I think we need to come together as a country, and we got to look out for each other. I think.
0: What would you say to Canadians who are concerned about all of this especially what we've seen in the last 24 48 hours with uh, closures of events uh, schools sports uh, facilities and such uh, as someone who studies this how concerned should we be what do you what do you say to Canadians
1: So I think everyone's concerned and that's why the government's taking all of these I Even mean, universities have closed classes and everything's been moved online you know, there, there are travel restrictions and travel recommendations. So I think the government is being as proactive as you possibly can, considering this is a virus that we haven't studied. The scientific community doesn't understand it. So just just follow the guidelines. And again, I'd stress on washing your hands and don't touch your mouth, don't touch your nose. So I think we, if, if we do this, we'll be okay.
0: Uh, should we restrict travel more? Do you think that we, you know, I mean, we've certainly seen uh, in other parts of the world how they've how they've, uh, you know, shuttered cities and such. Are we doing enough in that respect?
1: So, um, I I can I, this is, I can make a personal comment on it. I had a trip coming up in in May, and I might most likely will cancel that because. Not because it's all the hassle that comes with, will I get quarantined when right. I come back? What happens when I get to my destination country? Will I get quarantined in that country? There are lots of, lots of uh, ifs and buts at this point in time. So I think, I, I think yeah, think um just go with the recommendations, Yes.
0: So, Doctor, with the information that uh, you and the people from Sunnybrook have come up with, how does this spread around the world? How does this information get passed along? Is this, is this part of a worldwide discussion?
1: Yes. So what we're going to do next week, or hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll put up the whole genome sequence. What that means is we'll put up the identity of the virus on a, on a website that's available to all researchers, right? We're also looking at collaborating and sharing the virus for with, with, with regulated and certified labs that have access to controlled facilities where you can manipulate and study this virus.
0: You must feel pretty positive of where your team is at this point. Uh, do you feel that you've got a handle on this? And, and and what about a vaccine moving forward? Uh, so
1: I, I personally don't work on a vaccine, so I'm, I'm very interested in looking at how the virus does in human cells because that that's information we need to develop. What's more important is therapeutic drugs and, and, and um, drugs, really, because a vaccine is got to go through regulatory processes and, right. and it's not going to be instant. But what we can do is... If you can test FDA-approved drugs, these are drugs that are approved for other viruses. Mm. You take that database of drugs and you test it against this virus. We've cultured the live virus, so you can get those drug candidates in and test them. Then you can fast-track and use them in patients. That's really what we need, I think.
0: Wow, that's incredible. Dr. Aaron J. Banerjee's been with us, postdoctoral fellow at McMaster University. McMaster researchers alongside Sunnybrook have isolated the COVID-19 virus, uh, which will help with testing and diagnosis moving forward. Doctor, thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated. Good luck. Thanks for having me. Thank you. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900-CHML.